Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation, and manufacturing. A DFA Manufacturing Media production. The benefits of digitalization in manufacturing. Part two. Brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission, and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. Thank you very much, Lena. Well, one question did come in, which I think will uh, will we'll, um, rotate to all of our panelists anyway, um, from Mark. And in fact, it was something that occurred to me as well about uh, you know the use of mobile technology. Um, mm -hmm. The issue of data security seemed um, particularly interesting. Uh, any uh, Thomas, um, um, do you want to comment on what you've heard from Lena and uh, and with, with just a thought on the on the data security issue? That's the biggest topic, I guess. If, if you have a survey with customers, or users of these digital systems, uh, number one point, as Lena outlined, is security data protection. There's no question about that. And the next point, Lena also mentioned that, is the lack of interoperability. Um, and that goes together with the investment that is required and the future proofing. So data security, I believe technology is here. Uh, the execution is usually a little bit of challenge. Um, all these risks associated with IT, the, the integration into a company IT environment is always uh, a challenge. Uh, you have different interest groups. And um, at the end, IT, cybersecurity breaches, potential loss of IP dictates how far you can go in the integration. Thank you. Um, Tony, what's your thoughts on, uh, on, on the issue of cybersecurity? Uh, yeah, it, it's a quite a common topic when we when we go to customers and we we try and integrate um, product. Um, having a having a network connection is is a challenge um, to try and get them data. Um, a lot of the things Turk Banner in the UK are focused on is about you know when we're capturing data. It's a, it, it is a lot of like condition monitoring data, RFID data. So. From a security point of view, you know, it's not high end where like ERP systems are and people could, um, you know, interrupt the business. Uh, a lot of our stuff is more from a, from a monitoring point of view. Um, we, we at Turk Banner have a, a number of ways um, to work with the customer. So we have, um, when it comes to clouds, we can offer on cloud premises so the customer can control basically the service it's on their own um, network they just supply the pc we can uh, send data to a cloud um, we can have limitations with bi-directional cloud these these features can be turned on and off and i think with everything you do i think thomas may have been alluding to it you've got to meet a certain legislation to be able to work in in this environment and i'd be interested to hear Michael's point of view on that, you know, from a real technical product, which uh, Redline is, um, there is a lot of hoops you've got to jump through. Um, and from, yeah, I think if if you're meeting that, again, it's we've discussed it, we've alluded to it, it's just getting the customer's confidence up and getting the right people around the table to ensure that, you know, they're confident that this works. And, you know, there's people always in every business that will be able to, Put these people's mind at ease. Thank you. 
Well, that's a natural lead-in then to Mikhail's um, uh, presentation, and perhaps you can comment at the same time on the on the security issue. Um, your, your main theme, though, is is about manually entered data and um, how to avoid it. Um, and um, you know, I, I remember one of our correspondents many years ago who said the best way to uh, find out about my company is to go around at the weekends and peek through the windows. But maybe that's a bit flippant. Um, but over to you, Michael. Security first. Yeah, it's um, it's a yeah, it's main point coming in uh, since several years. Um, so, and the tricky point with uh, with cybersecurity is not based on one product or one system. It's uh, it's uh, it's a global uh, organization. It's uh, every system has to uh, to handle its piece, but um, and all system has to uh, but all the system has to be thought in the way to secure the system itself. So that's the complexity of uh, of cybersecurity. It's um, a simple, I mean, my device, even if it's uh, even if it's a reliant device is used on the edge, it can be a, a, an entry point for uh, to, to get uh, the ERP system. So it's, uh, it's a concern for everyone. And that's going to be the, a big challenge for the industry the next years, that's for sure. And but we um, and we see the the, the question now. It's uh, every project you have this question coming in. It was not the case several years ago, but now it's really the case. Technology, like uh, like Thomas says, technology is there. I mean, uh, there is no doubt of that. Now it's how to to apply it um, in the industry because industry never the production industry never been developed in this way or designed in this way. But now we have to adapt it to the to the industry. There is no no choice. Okay, uh, um, and, and on to your uh, your main um, your main, main topic, topic now. Is, yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we see it's um, I mean everybody knows that. And traditionally, we uh, we see the data collection. I mean, in on the production was manual. It's uh, it was uh, paper or Excel spreadsheet. I mean, the manager asked the guy on the production to take uh, two or three counters. Uh, the temperature at the end of every hour or every 30 minutes, how he has to do a tour and check all the, the values. It was good, but it was a snapshot. Uh, it was, how um, see that, um, interpreted by, by the, the guy. And it was, uh, it creates um, a lot of misunderstanding because the data were not always the same or not consistency. Okay, no, not consistent. So, and that's where the, I know, sorry, there is a point before I add. Um, that's where Thomas and Lina's problem probably, because uh, when you have don't, don't have consistency on your data uh, arriving into a system like Thomas and Lin has, it's a, it's a problem because the system has difficulties to work. It's, um, if you have, <laughs> uh, on one shift, if you have a big difference, it's a, it's a nightmare for them. And um, that's why that's where digitalization is very important because um, digitalization is going to take the, the raw data directly on the production and remove all this human inaccuracy and the time, I mean, uh, all this human inaccuracy, okay? And it is going to be able also to, um, to, to create a bigger database. So instead of taking, uh, asking a guy to go every half an hour or every two days to, uh, to get counters, you can get values every two minutes. And that's this quantity of data going to create a huge amount of, of potential analysis behind uh, with system like uh, ERPs and uh, Thomas, I don't know, I don't remember your, your system. 
it's a it's a big difference for uh, for uh, for people to understand their production how it works where the the issue is where the slowest machine is what what we have to in in, in what we have to to improve what we have where we have to invest and why we have to invest and how much we can gain because we're going to invest in this part it's a it's a huge difference and um that's that the the difference between having uh between having a digitization data reporting or data collection and a manual data uh, data collection um the other thing is when you have a big uh big industry big factory or big group and you have different factories over the world for example you have uh, i don't know one in france one in germany or one in uk and um and People in these countries have different culture, different way to report, and the organization is different. Is different, and for this group, it's very difficult to have uh, counters. Are the calculation going to be done differently depending on the factory? So it's it's very hard to compare which site is more is more val more valuable or more efficient than the others, and because the calculation is not done differently. With digitalization, you, you remove all this culture. It's much more. Um, objectives the data they get at the uh, at the high levels and uh, that helps a lot to uh, for the investment and to put money on this factory and the others because i mean data then doesn't lie i mean it's that's what it is okay and uh, digitization, digitization going to help to do to get this um going to help to to get this uh, type of uh, comparison and the last one, it's um, it's about uh, the production improvement. I mean, more data you have, better understanding, like I said uh, earlier, better understanding you have um, of the production, where you have to put the money, and uh, where the team, how how the team has to react in this condition and this condition, and more, and also the team going to get more data about how it works, and they're going to be able to adapt to adapt in events. So if I have the line one stopping, what I do? Most of the time, actually, what they do is uh, well, we're going to wait it works again. But uh, if they have more information, they can say, okay, it's going to be blocked or uh, not supplied during I don't know 30 minutes. We can do something else in between, and they can do they can adapt their that time work uh, more efficiently. And that's that's uh, that's a big uh, big advantage of digitalization. Oh, that's what we see, and that's that's where Reliant can help a lot because, like we said um system on production been uh, are very uh different oh, i don't know if it's english but very uh you have different different brand different system it's it's not always easy to get data from uh from production uh, systems or devices and that's where reliant helps a lot with um with uh with the, uh with the products and the, the solution we offer thank you mikhail a, a couple of questions have come in which i think uh, we can circulate to everyone um, because it's relevant. Um, and uh, the question was, how, how do you estimate the improvements potentially achievable in your company from data-driven decision-making? Um, so, uh, and this comes back a little bit to the spend justification issue. Um, you know, we need to be able to estimate the value, I guess, of, of improvements so that we can we can justify uh, the investment and the return on investment um, to justify the start. Um, and that came from Alain and uh, was uh, um, endorsed by uh, Matt. So, so I'm guessing this is um, quite a key issue. You know, how how do you 
how do you come to justify um, the spend you're going to make? And, um, you know, in, in terms of um, switching over to decision making, making based entirely on, on, on your data. This Talking Industry episode is brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. Shall I start with Lena and then go round the uh, go round the, the table? Yeah. The virtual table. Um, hot ROI is a is a heavily discussed subject also in ERP. Um, my question is, um, uh, how do you measure the fact that people don't have access to data? or don't have the possibility um, to, to, uh, to work in an efficient way. If people have to enter data twice, um, it's okay to do that. But if you want to invest and change that, then you need to know um, what it brings. Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's very difficult because you, you, with an ERP, you will invest on many different areas in, in, in your company. The, you will increase communication inside uh, your company, but also outside. You will optimize your processes. Um, you will have greater tra- transparency. So um, how can it not bring an ROI? Um, so the only thing is how much? That's difficult to tell in advance. Um, and so it depends on how many users do you have? Eh? How many people, um, if like we see a lot of um, manufacturing companies still reporting hours on paper. If you remove the paper and you do it automatically in your system, um, you will lose. A, I, you will need a few less people that um, bring the the paper data to the system to make it digital. So, um, in every area you optimize and and every new technology, new technology you insert, you you. Um, um, yeah, you, you gain you gain more insights and you win. Um, how much you never know in advance. Mm, it sounds a, a little bit worrying because you know a lot, a lot of people would would need to know something about the business benefits in order to invest the time and resources to to go forward. Um, Mikhail, it sounds like you want to to jump in there. It- before the digitization investment or after the digitization investment, they want a ROI in your question. Sorry, I'm not, it's not clear. Um, I, I assume this is at the beginning, you know, that, that, um, that, that you need to have some clear idea of what your benefits are going to be, you know, before you, before you invest the time and, uh, and energy into it. Yeah. Um, Tony, well, you, you're, you must have a view on this. Um, you know what's um do you do you get involved at that level with uh, you know calculating business benefits for customers um yeah like from from the start i always i tend to throw it back to the customer sometimes initially so if i use an example of uh vibration temperature monitoring of a uh, asset so vt whether it's vt or ct um you know one question i'll always put to the customer is you know, when did your last asset fail? What was the production downtime? What was the repair of the cost? You know, um, and that'd be, it's always interesting to see if they know what that is and what it's cost in their business. Because, and again, 
you know, what we're, what we're talking about today and what I'm going to be talking about is capturing that data. For example, you know, we have a, a very simple starter kit, which is a, a vibration sensor. It goes into a, a wireless device. So there's no infrastructure needs to be put in place. We, we send the wireless signal. We can, we can put it on their network. We can put it into a cloud. They can consume data straight away. So if we capture that signal, especially in uh, the way the world is at the moment, you know, I think everybody in this uh, forum will have uh, issues with raw materials. If, if you can capture something, what is, that is a very simple way to justify the ROI. If you can be proactive and predictive and the same with um, any, any of our sort of starter kits, whether it's OEE, what's the cost of that person walking around to capture data, you know? if we put a wireless sensor or we use an existing infrastructure and just give you a simple count, how many products are going through, getting your throughput, getting your input. That's a very simple thing without somebody sitting there and manually doing it. And then we integrate it straight away into an ERP system. There's gotta be a cost saving without even drilling down too much into it. And that sort of applies to anything, you know, whether it's a, a, a you know a, a level somebody's walking around every single day checking the levels of sumps on hpus or what, whatever the application um there's always a cost and the customer should know what that overhead or what the the downtime does cost yes that's right i, I mean engineers love numbers so you, it should be uh, it should be possible to get these uh, the, this information Prasad well it doesn't uh, always it I was, I was going to say, it doesn't always apply yeah. to the engineers, does it? I, I, no. I, you know, the people we talk to now are operations, are production people, because they know how long their downtime was for a particular reason, whether it's as simple as an e-stop, you know, you know, how long was that down for? Was it simple? Could we have been a little bit more proactive? Yes. Thomas, you're, you're, uh, you're, you've been patient. Um, what, what's your view on uh, the recent discussion? Yeah, the, to identify the real costs is one of the biggest challenges because I don't think that the companies are really true to their cost base because it also means transparency. Uh, specifically, and Tony just gave the example about this uh, condition monitoring system. Um, it is my belief, based on my experience, we have identified numerous use cases where we were able to do a cost avoidance using such a remote condition monitoring system with the first incident that you avoided. But then the question is, okay, so you saved that money. Um, it was a substantial cost avoidance in terms of downtime avoidance. You can do the math, you know how much you would have spent to repair it with a traditional case of four hours downtime. Now you got it down to 30 minutes because you proactively uh, repaired it. Um, the next challenge then is how can't you just multiply that across your organization? That's a typical use case, and I'm sure other manufacturing places have very comparable issues. And I believe, when I look into my own organization, we don't work off the same cost base. And Mikkel, you mentioned it before, that that's one of your challenges with the taking the data. Um, so calculating an ROE in advance, it can't be done down to the penny. That's my belief. Um, it's, it's, it's a path it's that you go through and you learn uh, the, when you walk that path. Um, so cost transparency is absolutely key. Mm, very important. Um, we've got another poll coming up for our, <clears throat> for our um, audience. And, uh, you know, it's just a simple one, really. 
a binary question. What What's more important to you, operational benefits or business advantages? Ooh, let's see what they say. Um, while, while we get answers to that, I'll, I'll refer to a couple of um, comments and questions in the in the chat, which I which I suspect are actually quite um, quite common. Prasad says, I, I think this is where the strategy of the organization comes in. Sometimes disruptive new technology needs to be brought in as part of strategic initiatives where return on investment is not the only driver, which I, which I guess is what, what Lena was saying in her, in her presentation and, and probably something we'd all, we'd all agree with. Matt, I think, is, you know, this is the dilemma. You know, the, the issue I have is that we have to spend a bunch of time to generate a solution and then put a cost against that. However, you then need to convince the money folks that your solution will pay for itself. Um, you know, and it's easy to be general to say, well, you know, it will make us more efficient. We'll be able to build more products. But if you can't put a monetary value on that, um, then, you know, that that dialogue becomes very diffi difficult because none of it is free. Um, you know, and um, he mentions cloud storage as an example. You know, it's an ongoing cost, which ultimately has to be passed on to the parts you're producing or whatever. Um, so it's that discussion between, you know, the, the, the accountants, the finance side and the production side and how you make the case for it most efficiently. And, you know, probably Prasad is right that it's easier in some companies than others. Um, whether that's a size effect on the company or, or, or it's just about the vision that individual companies have. Um, so let's let's just explore that quickly by by going around, starting with Mikhail. For the return investment and all this thing, um, yeah, sometimes it can be it can be complex. What I see it's uh, all people invested in in this uh, in this direction never never discover something they can improve. It's uh, there is there is always a return investment. Sometimes it's a simple display. It's a stupid a display. Sometimes it can be more advanced systems, but I don't, I don't see customers who never got any return investment uh, after, uh, yeah, after a digitization. Um, I mean, if uh, if it's a problem of money or budget, I think uh, the best is to uh, to do a, a proof of concept first. And see what uh, what what he says, and see the results you have. I mean, you don't have uh, you don't have to develop a very advanced system with the cloud and uh, artificial intelligence behind and, and everything to to see results and potential of digitization. You have a very simple application you can you can you can develop internally and give you results. Then it just as soon as you are the, the, the factory or your the team and see the, the value of this uh, investment, they will they will continue. But yeah, I I can understand the first step is hard to to do. But I guess uh, with a simple uh, proof of concept, you you can see the the value very quickly. Yeah, so it's very it's very much back to that sort of start simple. I suppose build confidence in the way that uh, these. Uh, these new technologies are going to contribute. And that really is where you came in, Thomas, isn't it? So, uh, so perhaps we should uh, come back to you for, uh, for a bit more. 
Nikolai with the customer who did a POC, he just uh, realized that the slowest machine of his production line was not the one he th they thought. It was another one. So they were investing on a machine which is which which wasn't the slowest of the production. And this type of thing, I mean, you earn, I mean, the return investment is almost um instant instantaneous. That's in instantaneous. Instantaneous, yeah. yes. It's um, 12 hours done. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, it's <laughs> so stories like this, like Thomas say, you have we have thousands of stories like this. Not yes. always as simple as this one, but um, yeah, we have hundreds of stories like this. Thomas, when you look into data that you collect, we always uh, we haven't mentioned it today yet, but I wanted to bring it out. It's that big data as a keyword, right? Data collection has been done for so many years. That's no art. That's nothing new. Um, but really, which data is relevant? And I guess, Mikkel, you mentioned that before, um, you just get a unified base of data entry. So, you know, you work off the same base. Um, that's, that's a challenge in this regards. It's going over to from big data to small data and then smart data. Take the relevant data. Um, with those examples, we mentioned it before, starts small. Uh, identify a pain point that is clear to everyone that you're working with, this is the issue we have, this is what it costs us, this is what we want to avoid, uh, an end result you have in mind, and with the technology you want to attack that. Um, just keep it small at this point, right? Build that use case. Um, and then important is you have the data, most important is act on it, right? You have the insights, take action, do it. And then Really important is speak about it, evangelize that within the organization because it's usually not a self-seller, let's say that way. Um, people are busy with all kinds of activities. So you need, it's a constant education internally and externally with your stakeholders. Get people thinking. And if you have that momentum going, people come back with new ideas saying, hey, okay, here I have another issue. How can we address that with technology? It's, it's uh, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, I mean, uh, uh, having a people champion or technology champion is a, is a, is a great thing. Lena, let's come back to you quickly about um, about what you've heard from uh, from the chat and the other comments about you know. Yeah, yeah I want going. to I want to elaborate on what Thomas is saying because he's right. I focus on one pain point and via a phased approach, I'm doing it step by step. Once you start with, with a small process, you will see the value and then people will get triggered to invest more and to go to take the next step. But you knew you need to do it slow. And, and we, we see, especially with, with the, the smaller and the mid-sized customers, that they want to see the value. And once the, the first step is taken, the rest of the journey will follow. Perfect. Yes, I think that's a very good summary. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned for part three across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.